From InsureTech Ireland, this is InsureTech Radio. I'm Connor Sweetman. This week's guest is George de Halston of Halston Marketing. Welcome to this week's episode of InsureTech Radio. This is part one of a two-parter with Georgia Halston. Um, Georgia is the founder and director of Halston Marketing. Now, in 2016, Georgia left her job as a social media manager to start her own business-to-business marketing and communications consultancy. Since then, Halston Marketing have launched projects with clients from varying sizes, from startups to Fortune 500s. Now, many of Halston Marketing's clients operate in heavy industry, so like steel, chemicals, machinery manufacturing, that type of thing. And like insurance, these industries are heavily regulated and, you know, they're old industries. And some of the companies uh, really struggle with modern approaches to marketing and communications. So insurance share those types of problems. I thought it'd be very interesting to discuss how these businesses can think about marketing and Georgia talks about how they should first look at the company mission and values, you know, their why, what are they trying to achieve before looking at tactics. And she finds that sometimes it's usually the reverse that people want to, in, in quotation marks, do social media. You know, they want to look at the tactics first before thinking about the bigger picture. So this week we're going to talk about uh, marketing um and social media and digital in particular and next week we're going to get into talking about reg tech in insurance and heavy industry but for now please enjoy this conversation with georgia halston well georgia you're very welcome to insure tech radio how are you i'm very well thank you connor thanks for having me good stuff so you founded uh, halston marketing back in 2016 uh, you're a b2b uh, marketing uh, specialist so what, what was the backstory or what is your backstory? Um, so I've been in marketing for, I say 10 years, but I keep on saying 10 years and it's progressively getting longer, probably about <laughs> 12 years now. Um, and I, had, I spent a lot of time in, in different agencies. I started out in SEO um, and I did sort of quite technical marketing. And then I moved to another agency where uh, we did really big campaigns for household names, particularly in FMCG. Um, and... You know, I was working in social media and, and content and PR and things were going really well. But um, we brought in a freight forwarder as a client. And uh, I actually just completely fell in love with the logistics at that point. Um, and I started to become a little bit less interested in B2C marketing and a hell of a lot more interested in B2B. Uh, we also worked with a, stockholder, uh, a steel stockholder and distributor uh, and learning about the world of construction was absolutely fascinating to me. Um, so I realized after about three years in that position that it was time for me to move on into the world of B2B. I didn't quite know how to do it. So I thought if I just start my own company, somehow it will sort of turn out to be okay and sort of three years later it has actually in fact turned out to be okay and to be honest the marketing uh, understanding and nuances um, that you get from an understanding of brand branding processes and, and isolating your target audiences and things like that translate from b2c to b2b you just have to be heavily interested in some of the industries we work in yeah, like it, it seems like um, uh, we skipped quite a few steps there to starting your own business. Like uh, what changed in your world that made you say, right now it's time to step out on my own? Um, 
you know, people do say, weren't you afraid? And, and what was the, that pinnacle moment that you said, you, you know, I want to do this. Um, and there, was, there wasn't some eureka moment. It was just tiny, tiny steps of, I think that I kind of want to do B2B. I'm, I'm just going to leave my job. Um, at this marketing agency and kind of see what happens might dip my toe in and, and do a, um, a bit of work and see what comes in and see what happens and then from there it, it literally just grew and, and to be honest particularly living in Leeds I feel like it's a massively untapped market there's so many digital agencies out there and they all want to work with Nike and Adidas and Topshop and, and that's genuinely what I'm not interested in it's got, I've got no interest in things like fa- fashion or um you know household names I'm more interested in those really heavy industries and I just thought I'll see sort of what happens um and from there it's just grown and grown and it really is completely unsaturated and with there being so much heavy industry in the north it was kind of like oh this is really making sense and I'm able to actually make a genuine difference to the companies that I'm working with and what was it about the industries that, that grabbed you? Well, when I first when I first learned about um, supply chain, particularly, um, it just I felt like it, it opened my eyes to who was who's actually running the world. <laughs> um, and it's not the big high street brands. It's not your H and M or your um, your Zara or any big brands that that people generally know. It's those companies that no one has ever heard of. It's those companies that are owning those high street brands. And when you think about something like global supply chain and you take off those regular person consumer blinkers that most people have and you open your eyes to, all right, wow, this is actually how the world works. It, It was just so interesting to me. It got to a point, I think, where actually I didn't feel like I was learning anymore. And now, with some of the industries that we work in, the niche, super specialist um, stuff that we get into, I'm learning every single day, not just about marketing, but about some of the most interesting industries out there. Yeah, no, and it actually kind of has parallels with uh, with underwriting and that, you know, we look at a variety of, of businesses and by learning about them you kind of do understand start to understand how commerce works generally like it's not just about that transaction and that we would have uh, every day in a clothes shop or whatever you know commerce is a much bigger wider thing that makes the world go round mm-hmm. um so like so so you started taking baby steps then um around 2016 like and uh, was it all plain sailing or were there some tough uh, challenges at those times I mean, I say baby steps, but actually the first client I brought in in the first month of launching the company was a Fortune 500. <laughs> um, and we did, uh, they're a, they're a um, chemicals and coatings company and they uh, operate in pretty much every country in the world. They're out of Pittsburgh in the US and they turn over about $15 billion a year. Wow. Um, and, what was your pitch? Um, <laughs> I, I'd met the guy before and I, well, what I did when I started the company was literally reach out to every single person I'd ever, I'd ever spoken to. And I was like, you know, he was one of the guys. And I said, you know, I, I've spoken to you about this before. I don't know if you're still looking for someone. It was for internal comms, actually. He wanted us to um, digitalize the internal comms for Europe, Middle East and Africa. Um, and I said, yes, of course I can do that. Um, and by the January, I was in the Czech Republic with the EMEA comms team. Uh, talking about how we were going to launch this blog and do all of this social media and launch social media advertising campaigns because they had never done anything like that before. Mm. Um, and I just came in and, and completely 
digitalize their whole processes, um, which was an amazing first client to have. Um, and I owe so much to that experience and to, to obviously having that, that first um, that first client in um, and you know we're still working with them now they actually asked us to do the the digital um, sponsorship of the European Masters in Switzerland um, so we you know we've we've grown uh, that account since doing the internal comms. Wow and um, you said something interesting there you said that you, you you spoke to everyone or you called everyone that you'd ever worked with mm-hmm. uh, what were you saying on those calls? I started a company um, do you want to do some stuff? what 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 do you need um and I did try and make sure I I had a particular ethos when I started the company I thought you know I'm in a position here where I can really start something from scratch my own way how I think things should be done and I didn't want to stray from that b2b really heavy industry um sort of ethos that I had started out with because I knew there was that niche there in the market and I, I really wanted to be the one to fill it and I thought I'm, I'm not going to deviate from that so I didn't get in touch obviously with any of my old clients or anyone that I'd done work with in B2C and mm. um, and I just sort of I just tried to make the most of uh, the the network that I had then which um, to be honest it, it was quite um, limited in comparison to the amazing network that I have now uh, within uh, B2B particularly. Cool. And so what's, what's been like working, you said as well that, uh, that that particular company hadn't done anything uh, like what you were showing them before. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have uh, quite a job to convince them or were they ready? Um, luckily, the guy um, that I... That I was working with, he had a really young team, um, and they were all in the um, in the shared services um, office in Czech Republic, and they were all ready to go. They were all like, "We don't want to do this quarterly magazine anymore that speaks to sixteen thousand people and it's printed out and it's wasteful." And you know, they had a really sort of fresh millennial outlook on stuff. Um, and the the head of the uh, internal comms he completely understood that he was um he was really behind the digitalization as well and he fought all the battles for us internally I don't know how much he came up against but he was adamant that this is what he wanted to do um and it wasn't really a hard sell on my front um because his team were already telling him this is how we communicate now it's social media it's blog posts it's no one reads internal comms magazines anymore so it was kind of already set up for me to turn up and say okay well that this is how you do it if that's what you want to do um which was yeah it there wasn't really a lot of pushback um but i really think it was because the battles were already fought for me internally fantastic um it reminds me as well kind of relating it back to insurance and how a lot of kind of newer uh, insure tech companies and I suppose maybe service providers within or technology providers within insurance will kind of gripe about uh, the incumbent uh, or older traditional businesses um, but they're not really willing to adapt to this type of thing uh, and I was just curious then if say there are people listening who are want to change how they do or change how they think about B2B marketing like what are some like mistakes or uh, myths that are common within B2B and what are the biggest wastes of time basically? So um, because we we do target those really heavy industries, so things like um, construction or supply chain or 
the energy sector, um, manufacturing, it's not always an open door for me. Um, and we never do the hard sell, but things are starting to change and people my age are now starting to take over the companies if they're sort of family owned or, you know, the, the older generation are sort of starting to leave and people with my mindset who are digital natives are actually starting to become um, the owners or at least decision makers of some of the companies that I'm trying to knock on the door of. And I know in the next couple of years, at least anyone that I've spoken to in particular the archaic industries um, are going to turn around and say, oh, okay, yeah, you know, that digital marketing stuff you were talking to us about um, a couple of years ago, we definitely start need to start doing that now. And inf- the unfortunate thing is, the B two B industry is you know five or even ten years behind B two C. You're not going to see a construction company going to turn around and start a Snapchat account, and neither mm-hmm. should they. Um, and I think that's some of some of the issues that we that I think that in B two B is that. The, the the very established companies think we don't have to make any changes. We don't need new business. We don't need to do marketing. We don't need to do anything outlandish because we are just doing things the, the way that they have always been done. And that's fine. And it's always been fine for us. And money's still coming in the door. And what I say to them is you have no idea which industry is going to be disrupted by technology next. You have no idea who's going to come in and absolutely floor you. If you look at someone like uh, Toys R Us, they absolutely owned that market and they never thought they'd be disrupted or unseated. And then because they just didn't have any sort of digital outlook and then just fell at the wayside because of uh, e-commerce companies that they just didn't catch up with in time. And huge companies like that, they no one is... Um, no one's immutable to, to um, digitalization or, or disruption. Um, so that's the kind of uh, rhetoric that we like to um, deliver. But again, it's not pushing it. It's not saying, you know, if you don't digitalize now or if you don't start um, doing some more outlandish marketing, um, you're going to go down the tubes in the next five years. It's do you not think maybe you should start thinking about this kind of stuff? Um and the other bigger, biggest issue is that a lot of those established brands don't necessarily know who they are. They don't know their brand. They don't, they've never really done any brand work, and therefore they, they're not particularly au fait with who their target audience is. They kind of think they know who they are, but they, if they've never done any work or they've not done work in years and years on their brand or tried to um, isolate that target audience and really think about how they can talk to them, then other companies are going to come in and start speaking to their clients in a lot more of a personalized way. Um, so some of the work that we do initially when we bring a client in is say, um, okay, we need to understand your audience, we need to understand the industries that you're selling to. Um, and particularly within like supply chain, I've seen with cold chain, um, cold chain logistics is another uh, undying glove of mine. Um, and that's not a joke. People think that it's a joke when I say that I love cold chain, but it's true. <laughs> Fascinating in perishables. And, um, and I, I've been to um, logistics conferences and you go somewhere like NEC and you see every single logistics company. You see massive Hermes stands and DHL uh, and all those guys. Um, and then you have your, your, your smaller freight forwarders and everything. Um, and, you know, I, 
I ask clients who've been doing this year after year after year, and I ask them, what are you getting out of this? Surely um, mm. all the thousands of pounds you're spending to be here at the place to be in your industry is just an echo chamber of other companies in the exact same thing that you are. If you're a logistics company, why aren't you exhibiting at an e-commerce show? Or if you're uh, a construction company, why are you not exhibiting at a facilities management show? Absolutely. So it's trying to change that mindset from staying in their own little bubble and actually being like, you need to understand how to effectively speak to your target audience and the, the changes will come is a, a, another real issue that I see, particularly within those really established uh, industries. And you mentioned there, like, uh, they'll say to you, like, uh, we want to do some digital marketing stuff in, in inverted commas. Like, what are they thinking digital marketing marketing stuff means? And then what does it actually mean? So I think that they think it means like, oh, we'll do a Facebook page. And um, there was a, a company that came to us a, a while ago um, and said, oh, will you do our social media? And, I, uh, and my response was, um, why? Why do you think that you need social media? And they, they were like, oh, well, you know, everyone else is doing it. That's always the, the first thing that they have to say. And, oh, we need to do some digital stuff. We've been told we need to. And they don't have the first clue about it. Uh, and the, the concern is there are a load of agencies out there that would be like, yeah, okay, fine. We'll do your social media. There you are. There's two grand, three grand a month. We'll do all your social medias for you. Uh, but we would never operate like that. And so the, the question was, why? why do you need us to do your social media? can you tell me how this fits into your overall marketing strategy? And they're like, oh, well, we don't have one of those. And I said, like, okay, tell me how your marketing fits in with your overall business strategy. Where do you want to be in five years? What industries are you going to be penetrating? What new um, solutions and uh, innovations and offerings are you going to be bringing in over the next five years that you can really start to market? And they said, oh, well, you know, we don't even have a business plan. I was like, well, for God's sake, how am I going to effectively market your company if you don't even know where you want to be? So no, we won't do your social media. You need to go away, think about who you are, who you want to be, where you want to be. Um, and and they did. And they came back to us after a couple of months and they actually did come back to us and say, you know what, we've, we've done this business plan and we've spoken internally for the first time in 10 years. Um, and actually it, the conversations that we had really unearthed some, um, some differences between what the two owners actually saw for the company and because they never spoke about it they just assumed that each other wanted the same thing for them for themselves and for the company it really brought about a lot of internal change um which is just it's the best place to start so it's like right fine we know where you want to be in five years time now let's do an overarching marketing strategy let's look at those industries let's look at seasonality let's look at your offering and, and your solution and what makes you different and all that cool marketing stuff and then we'll do some PR and then we'll do some events and then we'll do your social media. And that's kind of how it's worked out. So uh, social media is like uh, well down into the funnel. Oh, There's so it, much it, other stuff. It, yeah, it's such a downstream tactic that should not even be considered until you know who you are, what you're doing and what you're trying to do and how you're going to um, report on that as well. Like, so I, I'd say that's a very hard thing to really think through. Uh, without, I suppose, the right questions. So, like, is the question of saying, like, who who are we? Is that the right question? Or do you think people could maybe be a bit more specific as to uh, to, to eventually get to that answer? What, are your th- what do you think? 
So we have like a full uh, branding process and workshops and all that kind of stuff. Um, mm. So we'll look at um, the we'll look at the the audiences we'll look at the offering we'll look at the brand values we'll look at um the existing branding and be like is this actually fit for purpose do we need to reevaluate what your um what your brand values are what your proposition is and um is is that fit for the market now and is it has it got like longevity um so we do you know when we take a client on if they don't already have a lot of stuff loads loads of companies obviously already have a really robust idea of of their brand and Mm. and we can just go go straight away ahead and and start doing some marketing for them but for companies who come and say they don't have any of that stuff it's like okay we we need to start from scratch here Uh, which is fine and it's great because it's actually really inspiring for the company when you sit in a workshop with someone and they're like, do you know what? We do this and we do this. And other people in the room will be like, I didn't know that we did that. I didn't know that we were planning on bringing that technology in. Or And it it makes for so much more communication within the company, which mm. is just an added bonus to actually building a brand. And how, how did you answer those questions for yourself? Because, you know, you, you were saying that you kind of um... – you left your job and you kind of tiptoed into it. I know you got a Fortune 500 company as your as your uh, client, first client, but I imagine, you know, given that this is how you think, um, that you probably will put a bit of thought into what, how you wanted to put your brand across. So what, how did you um, make sense of that for yourself? Mm, it actually was, uh, it came around from writing up um, my annual review documentation uh, I didn't have any staff. It was just me. But I assumed at some point um, I was going to have staff. So I thought, um, you know, now uh, while it's quiet and I, I really want to think about what I'm trying to build, I'm going to write up some um, annual reporting documentation. So when a member of staff comes in, I say, these are all our brand values. This is what we stand for. This is what you have to adhere to to um to be part of this culture and this ethos and I sort of sat down um obviously there's an element of competitor analysis there's making sure uh, looking at the types of companies that I would be um targeting um I wanted to make sure that the brand looked trustworthy and established and it was jargon free because I didn't want to go in with this full technical um digital marketing pitch to companies that I know were already unsure you know none of these guys have ever looked at google analytics they have no idea what seo is and so i wanted to make sure that um our brand was fit for purpose and that's kind of where it started out actually thinking about the brand culture um and the types of people that i wanted to bring in in the future um and how we would um come look at metrics for success for for the way that our um our staff work together Sorry, did you cut out there? No. No, I just stopped. <laughs> um, and uh, so like, you, so you were doing that on your own when you had no staff. Because I, I, I imagined the temptation might be, or a temptation as uh, one could have, would be to kind of nearly just be a freelancer and take those social media jobs as they come along. So, but you were obviously thinking uh, much bigger. What... what were you always thinking and thinking about owning the business or kind of uh, or kind of think approaching the business as an owner as opposed to as an operator? 
No, it was uh, at the beginning. Uh, so it was the November, and it was sort of you know let's see, let's kind of see what happens. Um, I've never ran a business before. I don't know the first thing about running a business. Let's just see what happens. And I brought in PPG, and I was like, you know what, I need um, help with this. And actually, I clearly can do this. And I, I and it came to sort of the January, uh, February of 2017, where I was like, you know. Um, yeah let's let's build something here let's actually put some foundations down let's you know think about where I want to be in in five years time and there's so many great um resources out there uh, free resources government resources local um networking and and you know the the SME uh, ecosystem in Leeds is so close-knit and everyone looks after each other that I was like do you know what yeah I, I definitely I can do this let's start building something from the bottom up and let's make sure that it is um, future-proof and it does make sense and let me start thinking about the culture that I actually want to build. Fantastic. Um, so, like, what, where should a business start? Like, what simple thing could they do tomorrow? We, we talked about, like, kind of bigger, big-picture things, like who, who they are, what they want to do. But when we get get down to that, those kind of things kind of deeper in the funnel, like what are some kind of good tactics that maybe people could a, a, adapt uh, to make uh, – to turn the dial just a little bit? Hmm. I mean, it's a really good time of year to start thinking about, like, your annual strategy. Um, a lot of the um, the kind of industries that we work in are winding down right now. So you can be using this week um, and – well, depending when when you leave for Christmas, but, um, and start thinking about okay, what can we do in quarter one? Let's not think about the the whole year. Let's think about quarter one. Let's think about the seat. Let's look at our target audiences, our target um, industries. What's the type of seasonality that we have to be considering? So, if it's supply chain, for example, you always have to talk about Chinese New Year because China shuts down for two weeks, um, and it's a different time every year. It's end of January, start of February kind of time. Mm. And if you are a freight forwarder or you're in logistics, you have to be thinking about your clients and if they're SMEs and they're importing anything from China, particularly in in, um, uh, technology goods, any type of technological component, you are not going to get out of China for two weeks. So you need to make sure that you're stockpiling that. So the first type of content that I would start thinking about come January, if I was in supply chain, is is every one of our clients thinking about um, Chinese New Year? Um, if you're not, we've got all the information here. This is what you need to do, checklist, all that kind of stuff. So I know that's a very sort of niche and specific. Um, no, it's, a, it's a, I keep bringing it back to insurance, but that, like if you're a broker and you have clients who are supply, uh, uh, well, who are affected by any part of the supply chain, that's exactly the type of thing they could be talking to their clients about. So it doesn't just affect the, the, the supply chain uh, businesses themselves it also you know their brokers could be doing that kind of work as well to help them yeah so i would just look at quarter one january february march what events are there what events can we speak at can we exhibit at can we um just be a delegate to not within our own industry let's really focus our attention on our target industries let's maybe even do some client questionnaires and say you know 
what is it that you like about us? What are our USPs? And, and start doing the groundwork to make the rest of the year really successful um, and producing content and being at these events and, and having um, a voice of sense within your your target industries and, and sort of say, and and be that person that that that's that's being that that innovator that's being the um the authority in your own field and you're able to give that extra um information to customers who think that actually you're only talking to them in, about insurance well actually if you're targeting um the construction industry maybe you shouldn't be speaking to them about insurance. Maybe you should be speaking to them about, oh, well, actually, you know, there's this really cool um, technology um, platform that we've heard about that could really help you out, FYI. Oh, and here's some insurance stuff at the end. <laughs> yeah. You know I mean? Guerrilla marketing. Mm. Um, and you mentioned the content. Um, so what's the, what, what, what is, well, I suppose I want to ask what is content, but I'm kind of more interested in what isn't content. Um, a content marketing strategy can can be anything from case studies to blogs to I guess you could even put email under uh, um to video. Um, generally, I would say that it's any anything that you um that you own on your site. Hmm. I would say is content marketing. Um, so what's not content? I can't I can't really think about I can't really think what how to answer what isn't um probably not a great great question fairness <laughs> I guess what isn't effective content yeah is, better question yeah is um doing what everyone else is doing in your industry yeah Feeding in again to that echo chamber. Oh well, you know it's January. Why don't we talk about ten top tips to keep in your January, your New Year's resolutions? Like, <laughs> you know that that every single company is coming out with, and it's like you know I'm hearing the same. I don't want to hear the same rhetoric from L Magazine than I do my insurance broker. Yeah. You know, I want to hear something actually. You know, here's the things that you need to think about for your company in 2020. Here's the things. Here's the issues you have to going to deal with. with Brexit, you know, um, and really interesting, innovative thought leadership stuff instead of just the same old bump that everyone else is doing. That seems to be a bit of a theme uh, with uh, this conversation. I suppose even the, you starting your business, you're you're going into a sector that is uh, um, that is underserved by B two B marketing companies, and then you're also t- you're saying to them. Look, yeah, this is what everyone else is doing. And that's exactly the reason why we should go in the opposite direction. That was part one with Georgia. Tune in next week for part two, where we'll be discussing RegTech and its applications in heavy industry and also insurance and the opportunities for insurtechs. Speak to you then.